Welcome to Regularly Scheduled Programming, where we watch stuff and talk about it. I'm Ashley. And I'm Joe. And as usual, up front, the business, uh, you can email us at regularlyscheduledpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at regularlyscheduledpod. You can uh, find us on Twitter at rspod, or you can find us on Facebook at regularlyscheduledpod programming podcast and we welcome any and all feedback and commentary <laughs> commentary on our commentary commentary on our commentary, commentary <laughs> are you good i'm good let's okay. go okay so a few news pieces we're going to save the big one for the end the big I mean, one to us. Yeah, I just realized that I had my notes sitting off to the side for the news, which means I would be speaking away from the micro microphone, and that's probably not the best thing. That's not going to be helpful to anybody. <laughs> okay, so uh, first piece of news, you actually brought to my attention that you saw that uh, I Am Legend is getting a sequel with Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I, I saw the first one and it was fine. It's not, it wasn't like my favorite thing in the world. But the addition of Michael B. Jordan means I'll probably watch the sequel. Right. And it's actually sounding like it's going to be a prequel. Yeah. Not a, not really a sequel. Yeah, you've never seen I Am Legend, with the exception of the clip I had you watch. Yes, Joe had me watch the clip of him killing his dog. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's emotional. <laughs> so, but yes. Other and now you're like, I have clip. no desire to ever watch that movie. <laughs> Like, I kind of knew the gist, but... Uh, but you didn't know he had to kill his dog, so his dog didn't turn into one of the zombie vampire things. That's, I don't even remember exactly what they are in the movie, but... Yeah, I didn't know that. So, um, I have seen that small piece, but I'm with you. Like, Michael B. Jordan is calling me to watch. So, I'll probably watch I Am Legend now, or just before we happen to see the sequel prequel. Yeah. Next, again, something you showed me. I feel like you showed me all of these things. I got Uh, lucky this week on Twitter. All the news was just waiting for me. Yeah, apparently Prime Video from Amazon is eyeing God of War, the video game series, to make a TV series, which I'm excited for. I assume they're going to go with the newer God of War games, uh, which is him and his son. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's his son. I haven't played the the newer ones. Um, I have heard a few spoilers, but having having Kratos and the the child, they they could be going for that Mandalorian, Lone Wolf and Cub kind of vibe, where it's you know the seasoned veteran looking after a young child. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested. I think I'd be more interested if I knew where they were starting with it, if they were basing it off the uh, original trilogy of games or these newer ones. The the image they showed with the tweet, I think it was a tweet, uh, was from the newer games. But I, I don't necessarily think that means much because, of course, they're going to use an image from the most recent titles. Yeah. But I love the God of War series. The, tr- uh, the original trilogy that I played is amazing. I know when the first one came out, one of my friends and I, we spent day and a half, two days just playing straight through it. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. So did you have anything, any comments on that or 
do you just want to go on to the next one? I mean, I watched you play the God of War games a little bit here and there, but mm-hmm. I don't really think I have anything else to add. <laughs> okay. I'll probably watch the show if you do, but, you know. Uh, this next piece is more you than me. It's yes. it's all you. It's all me. me. <laughs> uh, apparently, they announced that Bridgerton Season 2 is coming out March 25th. Cannot which, be. given today, is the 12th. And we got that piece of news, what, two days ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, had it been, had they announced that there was going to be a season two? Yes. So they announced um, there's going to be a season two and a season three just after season one was released. So is this the first, the first announcement of the release date? Yes. That's close. Yeah. I feel like they didn't leave much time to get hype going. I guess it was pretty popular, <laughs> well, so maybe they don't need a lot of hype. We had kind of a teaser. I think it was like a month or two ago, but then there was no release date, no nothing. Um, But they know it's going to get watched. It's a great show. For those of you that don't know what Bridgerton is, which Joe doesn't. I mean, I know what about the show gets the most. I don't want to say press because I don't know if the official uh, outlets are talking about it, but like the, the conversations on Twitter (laughs) <laughs> and the the interwebs. I know what the majority of those conversations are about. It's all sex. Yeah. So the movies are based on a series of books, and the both are set in um, the Regency era of London in the ten season, which is like their coming out parties, their debutante balls, essentially. And then it's this family that. They all eventually get matched off, is my understanding. And then, like, the families in that Regency circle, Mm -hmm. like, high society, essentially. And then, for lack of a better way to put it, there's, like, this gossip girl-type character who is, like, talking about all the... like Narrating? Like, the tea, like, the gossip. Okay. And we do know who she is as of the end of season one. And then they continue trying to find out who it is in season two. And I don't have her name written down. (laughs) That's usual. But the show is great. The writing is great. It is created by, well, the author of the original books, obviously. But then Shonda Rhimes, who created Grey's Anatomy, she was, uh, that's, it's her show. Okay. Because Shonda Rhimes signed a deal with Netflix and this is one of the shows that she kind of has her hands in. And it definitely has a feel. But I'm really excited. The season two characters that they're focused on. I'm really excited to see how it goes down <laughs> in <Okay>. all ways. <laughs> so it is definitely one of those shows that's kind of like a guilty pleasure. It is very sexy. Do not watch it around your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Next, uh, you sent me this again this morning. I assume uh, was the official announcement of this, but Sean Levy has uh, been attached to direct Deadpool 3. I'm so excited. Uh, Yeah, so Sean Levy directed Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Uh, He directed The Atom Project, which we literally just got done watching with Ryan Reynolds. And he is doing uh, Deadpool 3. Uh, Yeah, we we love the Deadpool movies. For me, they are... Um, I think I said this about what movie did I say this about? I don't even remember, but it, it's it's for me. It, it reminds me of those 90s action movies mm-hmm. and it's just 
it's the character is a ton of fun and ryan reynolds was born to play this character yeah Uh, and i really like when an actor does continual work with a director i think mm -hmm. it's i think it does show in the movie a lot they have that relationship and so far we've loved free guy Mm -hmm. we spoiler alert we both really liked the adam project yeah we'll get into that uh a little bit later and we already love deadpool and we already love ryan reynolds so and i'm really excited that like they've already announced that they plan on deadpool 3 being rated r yeah so and i did they did feige or marvel or disney I want to say I remember seeing it, but uh, specify whether or not Deadpool will be part of the MCU, quote unquote. I believe that Feige said in the official quote, it will be rated R and it is part of the MCU. Oh, I'm so excited. So we will, um, like I said, that's just what I remember. But considering it seems like they might be bringing like Professor X. Yeah. The mutants. Well, yeah, if they're opening up the multiverse. Then Deadpool everything. is in there. <laughs> everything that there's a there's actually a uh fantastic four movie that uh got fully and completely made i want to say late 90s uh but was never officially released apparently it is f- the way it's described online it is really really bad uh but it was never <laughs> released but with them opening up the multiverse it would be hilarious if they made some kind of reference to that universe well, but, Deadpool would be the character to make references like that, I feel like. Yeah, I can't. So I cannot wait to see. I'm hoping that Deadpool ends up in one of the crossovers. Uh, yeah. And I've said this to probably every single person we know that we talk about Deadpool with. So more than likely, the majority of the people that listen to this will have already heard this. <laughs> but my my one of my biggest dreams for Deadpool is to be in a Marvel crossover movie that's rated PG-13. And in a PG-13, you get one F-bomb before you cross over that R barrier. I want to see them have Deadpool acknowledge that he only gets one in the whole movie and to be picking his perfect moment to let it drop. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else takes it from him. Like Tom Holland's Spider-Man, maybe? I don't know about that. (laughs) I don't know if Tom Holland's Spider-Man would do it, but just somebody... I really like when I think of Ryan Reynolds on the MCU, I picture him playing off of all the other characters. And I mean, like, we don't have uh, Chris Evans anymore. We don't have uh, Robert Downey Jr. anymore. Robert Downey Jr. and Ryan Reynolds <laughs> banter between each other would be orgasmic. It's probably not going to happen. No, yeah, I know. I'm just saying. But we we might get, if if Deadpool does come to a crossover in the MCU, we might get a Paul Rudd, Ryan Reynolds uh, banter Perfect. back and forth. Perfect. Which but, would be great. And then, like, I know there's some, I don't know that much about comics as we've touched on before, but, like, your Deadpool, Spider-Man, buddy, buddy. Yeah, so from what i know there's a uh, i think there was a, a limited run series or even a full online uh but at some point deadpool enters the spider-man comic line and he pal he basically he assigns himself as like spider-man's best friend and yeah. from what i understand about it is deadpool starts going around with spider-man because he considers spider-man one of the best heroes in our in the world 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, I think it's there kind of like he wants to learn from him and emulate the way he is so he can be a better hero. But it's <laughs> and then you end up with this ridiculous buddy cop kind of rivalry and all what however they bring him in it's going to be great it's as we talked about while watching the adam project ryan reynolds is ryan reynolds <laughs> he plays a type but, he plays a type, but i think he, he acknowledges it. it yeah he he knows that it's his type and he embraces it and i think there's nothing wrong with that no and i just like i said to me i love deadpool so much I love Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> He's on my list. Um, but I just love him as an actor, too. Mm-hmm. And the way he plays off of everybody he's ever in a scene with. So I'm I'm just really excited. I'm glad I saw that this morning because it was kind of in the back of my mind. Like, maybe we're not going to get a Deadpool 3. Like, we, we've heard we were, but. I think there was an official announcement saying that it was coming. Yeah, but then it's like no news, you know, so it's kind of like, oh, well, hopefully we get something new. And then this today and I was like, OK, and he's already worked with this director twice. They've worked on two PG-13 movies and now they're stepping into like Deadpool R territory, mm-hmm. which in my opinion is like a hard R. So, yeah. And Deadpool gave me Deadpool 2 gave me one of my favorite moments in any comic book movie ever mcu included because i got to see colossus fight the juggernaut exactly and it was amazing you were waiting for that i've been waiting for that for so long (laughs) ever since um x-men 3 when they had colossus and juggernaut in a movie together (laughs) and they never crossed paths i'm like how do you do that but anyway to fans wishes (laughs) Uh, yeah, so we'll move on to the last piece of news, which mm-hmm. is just pure bliss for me and I, well, us. us. We got a trailer. Was it a, a full trailer or a teaser trailer for Obi Wan Kenobi? I would call it a full trailer. Yeah, it's a full it's trailer. Like two minutes. Yeah. So they're taking this, it seems like they're taking this show in a very different direction than where I thought they were going to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess that's not true because when they announced that Vader was going to be appearing in it um it did start changing what i anticipated from the show i assumed that a kenobi series would be about him specifically on tatooine dealing with tatooine problems Mm -hmm. you know that kind of western lone stranger walks into a new town they have their own issues going on and him being who he is he can't help but try to intervene and help um and it does seem like a little bit of that is going on in this, but it definitely looks like he, I don't know. I doubt they're there specifically because they think Kenobi's there, but it definitely looks like the empire is trying to, they're going fishing for Jedi. And from the, some of the dialogue in the trailer, it seems like one of the ways that what they're using as bait is they're just causing chaos because they know uh, the Jedi can't help themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the specific dialogue, but basically the gist of it is, you know, a Jedi is going to Jedi. So if we go in there and rustle some feather, ruffle some feathers, the Jedi are going to make themselves known to us, and then we, and then we reel them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get to see a little um, uh, child. Luke uh, looks like he's pretending to uh, room room in a spaceship. Could be Luke. Could be somebody else. We don't know. We assume. Oh, I'm Luke. sure. I'm sure it's Luke because we also saw Owen. 
That's true. We did see Owen. Uh, I don't see why they would put the kid in there if it wasn't Luke. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying like. But he had the little like uh, pilot's helmet on. I think he had some yeah. gloves on and he's vroom vrooming around pretending to, you know, pilot a speeder or a spaceship or starfight or something. Yeah. It looks great. I'm so excited. The What is that? May 25th? Uh, yes. May 25th cannot get here soon enough. And I will both love and hate the weekly release for that show. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I echo what Joe said. I'm really excited. Um, it seems like hopefully it's going to be great. Excited to see Hayden Christensen return as Darth Vader. Yeah, and for me, it's interesting because I feel like for this show, I'm coming from the perspective that a lot of Boba Fett fans had going into Boba Fett. So I am 100% going to be biased towards liking it. Yes. But depending on how the show turns out, you know, maybe it'll make me rethink uh, my, I don't know, it won't make me change my opinion on Obi-Wan because I love him. Should I link uh, the TikTok I made on my personal account of all your Obi-Wan figures to the show notes so people can go watch? Sure how he has a lot of obi-wan figures i have an obi-wan shrine it's not yes. quite as um it's not quite as extensive as my optimus prime shrine or as my optimus shrine <laughs> but i love obi-wan kenobi he's my favorite character he's been my favorite character since i saw a new hope and what so for that character what sealed me on that character a lot of it was alec guinness portrayal of him but when he's talking about the force to luke Right after he meets him, he just gives him Anakin's lightsaber and he's delivering that uh, monologue about the force and, you know, it binds us, it penetrates us, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it was so captivating and it painted this picture of Jedi in my head. And I also think that that moment in that character is what gave me my weak spot for old mentor characters mm-hmm. in every show and movie that I watch. If there is um, a wise old mentor that crops up, he inevitably inevitably becomes my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncle Iroh in Avatar. I was going to say, I'm wearing one of them on my shirt right now. I have an Uncle Iroh shirt on. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, I I assume it's for the reason of just because I love Obi-Wan. Maybe there's some, some deeper psychological <laughs> reason. Maybe I always secretly wanted my own wise old mentor in my life. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's... Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite character. I love the prequels. I love his representation in the original series. I would have loved to get a little a little bit of him in the prequel trilogy, but I totally understand going with Yoda, um, mm-hmm. especially in the uh, in the second one, um, The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like like I get with the message that they were sending having Yoda, Yoda um, uh, relay in that scene, I get why it was Yoda. But if you're going for a deeper connection to Luke, I kind of feel like Obi-Wan would have been a better choice. Yeah. But again, like I said, for for the message that was being delivered, Yoda was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a whole, a whole other Star Wars tangent that I could talk about for hours on end. When we do our special Star Wars episode of the podcast. Which will probably be around the uh, beginning of next year. Right. Because we do a saga-thon every year. So we'll probably talk more about that as the year comes to a close. But um, Yeah, that's it for the news. Yeah, we're um, both really excited for Obi-Wan, for sure. All of the stuff on here, pretty much. Like, Yeah. 
so yeah, last week I think it was a, a success with the uh, ad drop after it the news. To work. Uh, yeah, apparently I think we had a Taco Bell commercial Ooh. at some point. I don't know how they work. Is it? Do you know if it's the same ad every time? I have no idea. No. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently there was an ad that we at least as far as we know there was. Uh, but we're gonna uh, take a break again for another ad or not another ad for an ad for this episode. And then we'll come back to talk about what we watched. All right. Be right back. And we're back. Uh, So I was informed during our break uh, where the ad drop would be that there may or may not be one. There's some rules about how long into the episode you can do or how long. Yeah, it has to be before a certain timestamp or something like that. Either way, there may or may not be a break right there. Or you'll hear an ad at the very, you would have heard an ad at the very beginning of the podcast before the music, and then you would have just heard one. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, either way, we rambled too much about Deadpool. (laughs) I rambled too much about Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're going to ramble a lot more given the things that we watched this last week. I really hope you guys, I mean, you're listening to this. If you're a repeat listener, clearly you're already on board with the rambling. So, yeah, but you know what? There is a lot of news that excited us. Uh, We watched a lot of stuff that excited us. So this one might, this one might be a little long. And especially because the last couple of weeks, we didn't really have much news. Yeah. So. Well, then when you get great, exciting news, be excited about it. Definitely. So, yeah, from there, why don't you want to go ahead and talk about what you watched on your own? Sure. And I'll reiterate and you can reiterate to me when it's my turn. Try to keep it brief because we got one, two, three, four communal watchings that we are going over this week. (laughs) All of them we might talk a little bit about. So, okay, so... Again, the majority of what I watched on my own tends to be like reality shows. This week on The Bachelor, there were two episodes. One was The Women Tell All, which is where like all the eliminated women come on the show to talk about the other women, Mm -hmm. essentially, and The Bachelor and their experiences and stuff like that. And then the actual episode of The Bachelor that aired on Tuesday, this guy is making history because he, this week was Fantasy Suites which is where they get like one-on-one alone time with The Uh Bachelor. And he slept with two out of the three women. (laughs) And I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure that's usual. Like I, I'm fairly assumed. I just assumed the dude's bagging most of them on the show. Well, only during fantasy suites do they have alone time to do that is the thing. Anyway. (laughs) And one of the girls was not very happy about that. And the episode ended with him. It was, the thing is, maybe she should have been more upfront about the fact that she didn't want him to sleep with anyone else if his intention was to ultimately be with her. Mm-hmm. And she didn't make that clear. But he also completely went off on her and basically like, I do not want to use the term gaslighting because I feel like it's really overused and people do not at all understand what it really is. But he essentially made her feel like it was all her fault or something. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm next week is the finale. So we'll see how it goes. It, it, I mean, I'm a little surprised because and I don't watch these shows, but I just assume like if it, I, if I was in that situation, <laughs> I would just assume that the bachelorette was having sex with as many of the contestants as she wanted to. 
That's just the way I would assume it's going down. Yeah, and like I said, they don't have alone time until the fantasy. No, I, I understand that, but like like I said, for me, if I made it if you know I was on that show, I would just assume that the person is having sex with as many as they want. I wouldn't I wouldn't assume that I was gonna be the only one. Right. And the problem with Granted, I don't have abs, so I would never be on a show like that. <laughs> the bachelor the there's a lot to dive into, but essentially the bachelor walks this middle American line where like you have like purity culture and mm. like you keep certain things to yourself. So it's like, yeah, all these bachelors have probably slept with these women. Same for the bachelorettes. The majority of them have probably slept with the other contestants. They just don't ever really go into it unless one of the other character, like one of the other people specifically say, don't do this. Unless or, they know it's going to create enough drama for the show. Correct. Then they decide to air. Yeah, I get it. And, and the show is very producer manipulated. Yeah. So that's... anyway, so that was that. Uh, Joe Millionaire wrapped up this week. I have to say, I really hope Fox brings it back. I loved it. I loved, oh my God, I loved it so much. Um, and then so Steven, who was the millionaire, um, he picked Kala. And then Kurt, who was not the millionaire, picked Amanda. And Amanda, even after finding out that Kurt wasn't the millionaire, she didn't care. But Amanda so quick, has her own money, so she's fine. Well, quick question. When, when we're saying millionaire versus non-millionaire, are we talking like a dude that lives in California making like forty, fifty thousand dollars a year where he's living a decent life, but he's definitely not rich. Or are we talking about a guy like, yeah, I'm not a millionaire. I only make like 150 grand a year. So they never really discussed how much Kurt, the non-millionaire makes. Do they give his profession? Yes. Or his occupation? He owns his own like construction project company so okay. he's probably he's probably yeah he's he could be going anywhere from i mean i'm sure he has his lean times but like he's probably living fairly securely upwards of extremely comfortably could retire early kind of area so he's he's probably doing good for himself right and then the millionaire supposedly has like 10 million i think was the figure they quoted his family owns a farm he works and lives on the farm he also has um i think it sounded like he has car washes so maybe something like those car washes that seem to pop up on every corner. Maybe he owns a few oh, okay. of those. But anyway, so. He's diversified. Um, I do know that Kurt and Amanda have already split up post-show. Okay, wait, which one was Kurt? Kurt was the non-millionaire. Oh, okay. And she actually did an interview with um, this guy I follow on Twitter. His name is Reality Steve. And he mainly posts about The Bachelor. But I think he had some, like, sponsorship with Joe Millionaire. And he actually did an interview with Stephen and Kala, who are still together and just moved in together. And then he did an interview with Amanda, but I haven't gotten to that part of the interview yet. But it sounds like it was not a bad breakup. So hopefully that's good. Let's see. I'm trying to think of what else I want to talk about briefly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, so Station 19 this week, one of the characters, her name is Vic Hughes, she, we found out she was pregnant in the last episode. And then this episode, one of the storylines was her having a medical abortion. And I just, I really appreciate seeing things like that on television, especially primetime television, not just streaming. Mm-hmm. From what I've seen on Twitter, people were not too happy with watching it play out because they taught, they show her getting the ultrasound. They show her being given the pills they talk about the process 
her cramping, her everything. Like it really goes in depth as far as mm-hmm. you can on a primetime television show. Yeah. And like I said, I just. So it's realistic. Yes. And I just appreciate that so much because it helps kind of, I don't want to say destigmatize mm-hmm. the procedure, but it definitely. You can't say you don't know anything about it if it's right there for you to see, you mm-hmm. know, and it from everything I know, it's fairly medically accurate. Um, and I also really like the character of Hughes. She's been through so much since the show started. I also like that she was very steadfast in her decision. It wasn't like, a, oh, I don't know. I just, it was never do I or don't I. It was always like, I'm doing this and this is what I have to do to get there kind of thing. So I just wanted to say that briefly that I just really like that. And then the only other thing that I really want to talk about, (laughs) not really kind of on the same lines, but kind of like women related, was Michael, our six-year-old, and I watched Turning Red last night. Mm -hmm. I was really excited to see it. I definitely think I liked it more than he did. But (laughs) so the movie is basically about there's this girl that turns 13 or she is 13. She doesn't turn 13. And watching the previews and stuff, I was like, oh, this girl hits puberty and becomes a panda. And that's kind of what it was. Okay. (laughs) But she, the panda comes out when she experiences like wide ranging emotion, essentially. And I don't want to talk too much about it. Joe has not watched it. And I know he does want to watch it. I was busy last night. He was. He was Dean Dean. But anyway, on the same lines of what was going on with Vic. There was a scene where the mom and the dad thought she had started her period. She's in the bathroom. She's a panda. And her mom comes in with this box of stuff, including like a bunch of pads. And I just like growing up, we did not see things like that. Like, yes, there were pad commercials on on TV, but like we never really talked about that in public. Like you would get girls like hiding pads in their pockets before they went to the bathroom or like having special carrying bags to take that kind of stuff. And it was very much like, don't talk about it. You know, even though half of the world's population goes through it, but I just, I don't know, seeing something like that in a Disney movie, no less just made my day. And um, I also really like the movie had this, like a she's, in a four group of girlfriends they're obsessed with this boy band and it's just like it definitely hit all the right spots for me as like a former teenage girl boy band obsessive (laughs) so i just i highly recommend it i know twitter is a mess with it right now but twitter's a mess with everything i just really enjoyed it i'm definitely gonna rewatch it so yeah, I'll probably watch it with you. I, I want to see it. I just, I had other things. Well, I'm sure D&D. Michael would watch it, but he has informed me he liked it, but not as much as he liked Encanto. So <laughs> if you're looking for a six-year-old's rating. Yeah. And of course, I'm sure there were things that he didn't really understand because it was, it's a PG Pixar movie and it is a little more mature than their previous offerings. Well, and also, and maybe it's because of his age, but... He also 
very few movies does he get hooked on the first time he watches them. Agree. Um, Encanto was one of the first ones where he watched it and he was just like, love it. It's the only thing I'm going to watch now. Uh, usually we'll have, you know, we'll be like, hey, we should watch this movie. We think you'll like it. And he'll watch it and pay passive attention to it. And then we'll end up putting it on just because we want to watch it and he'll actually watch it. And then that'll be the movie that he watches uh, on a loop. But, you know, so he could come back to Turning Red at some point and watch it again and be like, oh, this is awesome. Now I'm going to watch this forever until the next thing comes around. Yes. And actually, sometimes he informs our viewing habits, which we'll talk about when we start talking about what we watch together. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So is it my turn? Yeah, go ahead. I can't really think of anything else. I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot. Um, So I'm still watching Into the Badlands. Um, Mm -hmm. I am on the... it's the final season because I believe it was canceled after the third season. I don't think I'm getting we're getting a uh, actual like series conclusion for this. I think they had definitely intended more seasons. That's disappointing. Um, yeah, but it's still I mean, if it's a good ride, so I won't be too upset about it. I'll just look online and see if uh, any information was given on where the show was going to be going or what the ideas were uh, for the conclusion. Other than that, I watched um, this movie Ip Man, which it's a kung fu movie. It stars uh, Donnie Yen, uh, which he was in Star Wars uh, Rogue One. Okay. He played, oh, I'm going to blank on the guy's name. He played the blind guy. Okay. The, uh, was he a guardian of the wills? Is that what he called it? They called themselves? Yeah. Which I would love a show about that guy. Yeah. But so it stars him. And it's, it's a really good movie, actually. Um, it tells a really interesting story. The pacing on it, for me, it felt really weird at first. But ultimately, really good. It's a kung fu movie. Plays in those uh, tropes really well. And given the... With the, like, 12 to 30 seconds of Googling I did um, about this based on a uh, thing that was at the end of the movie, apparently Ip Man the character as well as the movie was based on or at least inspired by the life of master yip man who was uh bruce lee's master okay so he taught bruce lee interesting so really interesting there's like looking online there's i think there's three or four movies that star donnie yen and then there might be another one with a different character and then there, i think there's a series but it was it, it was Definitely good. If you like Kung Fu movies, definitely worth a watch. Other than that, that's really what I watched. I didn't watch a whole lot this week. So we can move on to what order do you want to go in? Here's what I have listed. We have Venom, This Is Us, Picard, and The Atom Project. I would prefer to just go in the order that we watch them in because that's the way I have them written down. Which that's <laughs> so the way it's I just, just set them. Easier. So. Which, yeah, that's the way I just set them. So. Yeah. Let's start right off the top with Venom. So So that's the movie that Michael, our six-year-old, wanted us to watch. Yeah, he's been he's been watching clips of Venom from Venom and Let There Be Carnage on YouTube. And he wanted to watch it. My personal opinion, I saw the trailers and it looked fine. It did not look like a bad movie. I've heard good things about it. Yeah, so briefly, Joe and I grew up. Very few things we could watch, we could not watch, I would say, is accurate for both of us. Yeah. Um, My parents were probably a little bit more lax. My parents were also younger. (laughs) 
So I watched a lot of Beavis and Butthead in South Park as they were airing. Well, and honestly, like Venom, it's not that bad. No, and I was going to say, like, we there are things that we probably wouldn't let Michael watch. Like, we don't we have not let him watch Deadpool. Um, Well. Not in his cognitive years. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, and like I said, there's very few things now. Either way, I don't think we have to defend what we let our son watch. Regardless. No, I'm just kind of informing. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care if people judge us for letting yeah. our kid watch Venom. I'm just saying that this is where we yeah. come from as parents. I will say also, we did bring up to Michael because he was like, oh, it's PG-13. And you had said something like, oh, that means they're only allowed to say one F or something and i swear he was waiting for he it he was the waiting whole for it the whole, he was waiting for it the whole time <laughs> but anyway you know i saw the trailers for the movie when it was when it originally came out and it looked good it looked fine i did not have a negative opinion of it at all it's just for me i wasn't it didn't interest me that much to get venom completely divorced from spider-man yeah um so that's me- why it wasn't it wasn't a priority for me to go out and see. And for me, like, I was like, I don't know anything about Venom apart from Spider-Man either. So if I think if Joe had been more like, oh, I really want to watch that, I probably would have been like, okay. But since he didn't seem very interested and I definitely was not really that interested, um, it just missed us. Yeah, it was just one I knew I would see eventually. Yeah, and so until that happened, I wasn't seeking it out. Eventually came on. Sunday. Yeah, eventually Sunday. came uh, about a week ago. We decided we were going to get some dessert and have a movie night with Michael. And he wanted to watch uh, Venom. And I got to say, it's pretty damn good. We, I think I was dreading it all day. I was like, oh, how am I going to like be excited about this for Michael? Because he was so excited. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes as a parent, you do things for your kids and you're excited and then sometimes you're like well at least i'll see them excited Mm -hmm. and this was definitely one of those things like as it was going on i was like holy shit i think i like this more than he is (laughs) yeah and he liked it a lot yeah he did he and he actually sat and watched the whole movie Mm -hmm. which was great he laughed at comedic parts and yeah it was just it was surprising now i will say that for me watching it i don't think what i like about it had anything to do with it being venom right the story that they told like you could take you could remove its ties to marvel call the character something else tweak the symbiotes a little bit to make him some kind of different alien tell the same exact story and i probably would have liked it just as much so it being venom played very little into my enjoyment of it uh there the way they did the conversations between venom and eddie Mm-hmm. That interplay, that relationship is what makes the movie enjoyable. Yeah, it was fun. And Tom Hardy did it so well, too. Yeah, I, I feel like that's the kind of area where Tom Hardy really likes to play around, mm-hmm. where he can be kind of off the wall and erratic, just kind of let loose with a character. I mean, have him and Ryan Reynolds ever been in a movie together? I don't think so. I feel like Hollywood is missing out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but I mean, maybe like, that would be too much of that in one movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's 
surprise it was surprisingly enjoyable no not that surprising i don't want to make it seem like i wasn't i was afraid of watching it but i liked it a lot more than i thought oh i was and i loved it and hearing michael giggle every time they said shit was really funny yeah and then when (laughs) fuck finally dropped (laughs) he lost he lost his he lost his shit (laughs) but i have to say there were some major hipaa violations in that movie (laughs) (laughs) And that's coming from someone who actually knows. Yes, I do work. Okay. Uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and move on to This Is Us. We liked Venom. Uh, we actually ended up buying the two-pack with This Is Carnage. Or Let There Be Carnage. That. This Is Carnage. <laughs> it's all bleeding together. Uh, Let There Be Carnage. And we're going to watch that one tomorrow night with Michael while we get dessert. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, And not just the dessert part. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you want to move on to This Is Us? All right, This Is Us. I'm going to let you go first because I don't have a really good cohesive memory about everything that happened in it other than the fact that I'm really not liking where they're rolling with with Toby. Yeah. But you can you can start us off. This is more your show anyway. Okay, so the episode was taboo. Thanksgiving episode. In the past, we have late teens, Big Three, and Rebecca uh possibly second thanksgiving after jack has passed away and in present day we have the big three at the cabin with present day old rebecca one line i specifically highlighted was (laughs) what beth pearson said is like the pearson epitaph which is lovely people cried a lot traumatized as hell (laughs) yeah that that tracks and I just was like, that's the tagline for the show. <laughs> but anyways, on to the Toby stuff. Toby in the sweets with Jack. And later on, you find out, you know, he comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. Toby was a big dude. Kate's a big girl. My issue with it is, and, you know, of course, they're writing it. It's purposeful and all that. But they are... They're making his comments about it extremely sharp. Yes. And which paints him in a much more negative light than Kate. Yes. And it's just, it's not, I don't feel like it's the same Toby. It feels like they are, it's not a drastic shift, but I do feel like they are shifting to make it, to make him, I don't want to say to make their inevitable divorce his fault, but they are definitely, it definitely feels to me like they're making him the catalyst. Right. Sometimes it's like, you know, the show is about the Pearsons first and foremost. So I don't want to say it's from the Pearson perspective, mm-hmm. but I can kind of see where the writers would be like, we have to keep Kate sympathetic because yeah. though they do hammer Kevin a lot. So I don't know, but I agree with you. It's something that I've kind of dug into a little bit and a lot of people feel very similarly how we do. But it kind of started, you know, when Jack was a baby and he wasn't spending a lot of time with Jack. And now he's off working in another job in San Francisco and he's absent more. And so they're definitely leaning hard into this is Toby a family man type arc and why Kate might want to divorce him because he's not like stepping up or something Mm -hmm. but i don't know 
I agree with you. I love Toby and I'm kind of sad to see what's going on. But I also think like they're doing a good job of, (laughs) I don't want to say making us hate him, but there was multiple times during the show where I was like, damn, Toby. Well, and also like one of I always actually really liked his relationship with Kevin and Randall. Yeah. And him and Kevin aren't seeing eye to eye either. And they had like a really great moment, like two or three episodes ago before the break happened. Yeah. Where they were just talking about like their fam, their expectations for their families and how it's just not what's going on. And like, they had this great moment. I love all three of them together. How Toby is like, you know, I wanted you guys to be my brothers, not my brothers-in-law and all this kind of stuff. And Right, because now, he doesn't have a good relationship with his own brother. Yeah, and now it's like Kevin and Toby just well take Kevin jabs. Kevin is living in their house. Yeah, so. and he doesn't need to, but at the same yeah. time, Toby could be like, hey, look, Kev, I don't think this is a great idea. And Kevin, and you know, because Kevin could just go buy whatever house he wants to, because apparently he's, you know, Oprah rich. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of that, so in present day, Kevin is basically touring the family around the grounds of the new house and it sounds like every pearson family gets Gets their own wing (laughs) which i'm like okay so in the future flashes the house looks big don't get me wrong but it doesn't look everyone gets their own wing big I think it means like I don't think it's like everyone get everyone has their own little house. No, it. it's just like you know here's just, a set of bedrooms for this family. Here's I understand, the set of bedrooms. but even then, like it could just be because you're we're only shooting from a certain angle, so you don't see quite how far. Well, that yeah, we is. only really were when it shows the flash forwards. We've been in Rebecca's room. Yeah, and then we have the been in like the briefly. foyer or yeah. foyer, depending on your chosen pronunciation <laughs> of that world word, and then like the kitchen dining area. Yeah. Um, and it does seem like everyone's very comfortable there. So clearly they're there a lot, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. Um, there was a scene with Kevin and Miguel and Rebecca were, well, mainly Kevin and Miguel, where Miguel was like, you know, are you going to do a guest house? And Kevin completely takes it the wrong way, thinking that it's because. Because it's Kevin. Yeah, because, (laughs) because even though he and Miguel have had their moment where kevin kind of went off on miguel and even in uh the past thanksgiving that we see kevin and miguel have a moment and then but in present day they're in a better place they're in a better place but kevin kevin always uh assumes the worst that every statement yeah so he assumes that miguel's talking about like a guest house for his family or his friends because he does he specifies you know his fishing buddies yeah his fishing buddies but really what it is is they know that Rebecca's going to need full-time care. And so they're thinking of like nursing staff Mm -hmm. to have a place to go. And Kevin, you can see it. And this is something that the actor that plays Kevin, Justin Hartley does so well is you see that immediate realization wash over his face and his, Oh fuck. Uh, Oh fuck. I Kevined it again. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I, and I like, there's a scene at the very end where Kevin walks out with the blueprints and asks Miguel to like, take a look it was a very father-son moment for kevin and miguel and i liked it yeah it was very much like this is something that jack would have done for rebecca yeah and i appreciated that well and also i kind of like that i mean miguel's a rock star in the show and i like that he's so great you definitely get the sense that like he will never try to impose himself as a father to these kids Mm -hmm. but he 
I feel like he wants them to see him that way so bad. Yeah. And not in a to forget about Jack or to take Jack's place, but he cares about this family because Jack was his best friend, because he loves Rebecca so much. Well, right. That he wants. Yeah. Since before the big three were ever there. He wants them to trust him and care about him because he cares about them ultimately. I just remembered this line in the episode where like Jack and or Miguel and Kevin have their thing where Miguel is like, sometimes you just remind me so much of your dad and I wish you would just let me, let me not love you. That's not what he says, but that's kind of what he means. Like, why don't you like me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you remind me so much of my best friend. It's like having my best friend back, Uh, which maybe is a little selfish on Miguel's part, but it's also selfish of Kevin's part on Kevin's part at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, In past Thanksgiving, the family, they do like this, what was it, categories or no. charades? No. What was it? They were playing Taboo. Oh, Taboo. Oh, duh, episode name. <laughs> Sorry. And everyone's playing and not doing very well. And then Rebecca gets up and her and Miguel just like hit it. Start clicking on every clue. Every clue. You can see the history. You can see the kids react. You, you know, referencing see. things from like years ago to get an answer. Like, uh, oh, in, remember um, this thing at the bar? Yeah. Or inside jokes. Inside jokes. And, yeah. Things that people that have been friends forever. Mm-hmm. And then Rebecca at the end is like, I love you, Miguel. Like. And everybody side eyes each other. Yeah. <laughs> And it was very, like, it was one of those moments where you know what she meant. And in my opinion, because of the way that they kind of talk about it after. Um, I, I, I kind of got the sense that she didn't know that she meant that until that moment. Until that moment. And then she realized. And she's like, oh, shit. Like, I really do. <laughs> and I just said it in front, in front of everybody. Of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and... There's this moment at the end of the episode that we've kind of been waiting for, which is where Miguel announces that he's moving. He's leaving Pittsburgh. I believe he moves to New Mexico. Do you say New Mexico or Texas? Texas, some one of those two states to be closer to his kids and job offer. Yeah, there's a job offer. Yeah. So um, we knew that was coming because we know that at some point in the future, her Rebecca and Miguel hook up on Facebook, essentially like Rebecca, Beth helps Rebecca create a Facebook after it's when she's pregnant with Tess. That's right. And she is like, Hey, my friends are telling me about this website. I can help me see pictures of the baby or something. That's right. And so Miguel messages her on Facebook. I had forgot. I had totally forgotten (laughs) about that because I thought this taboo episode was going to lead into them getting together i really Um, but yeah that's right it's not for like quite a few years yet yeah so from what we hear there's there's supposed to be a rebecca miguel episode where they get together like we see it as an audience maybe that's going to be the miguel episode that i mentioned before um who knows um the other thing with the episode that I specifically wanted to talk about because I loved what you said specifically was we do see, I believe it's the Thanksgiving after Rebecca and Jack get engaged and her mom and dad are coming for Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and her, she's trying to make the sugar pie. Oh, and Rebecca's getting so upset because like 
her and her mom have the issues that a lot of mothers and daughters have. A, a typical mother-daughter relationship? Yeah. At least as portrayed on television. Well, and I mean, I know well, a lot I just, of women I don't want to struggle. S- I, don't, I don't want to speak for... For all of women kind? Yes. <laughs> well, as a woman. No, I'm just kidding. Um, some women... For me, there is no... Oh, well, I'm kind of friends with my mom, but not really. You either love your mom or you deal with her. <laughs> I don't know. At least, like I said, from the way it's portrayed on TV, it's usually both yeah. milliseconds apart. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so she's making this sugar pie and she's mad because she knows it's not going to be like her mom's. Because well, she doesn't know the secret ingredient. Yeah. And you also see like way in the past, Rebecca being a little girl helping her mom with mm-hmm. the pie. And then and I think, does she ask her what the secret ingredient is? And she, and she says like, not yet. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then Rebecca makes the pie hosting Thanksgiving for herself and her and her mom get in a fight because nothing is ever good enough for her mom. Her mom never eats. Her mom has these expectations and all this. And Rebecca goes off on her mom about not telling her the secret ingredient to the secret ingredient uh, sugar pie, but also that her mom probably wouldn't know whether it had it or not because she hasn't seen her eat a slice in 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) right rebecca really lets her mom have it Mm -hmm. and rebecca's dad and jack are basically just bystanders and or bystanders and at one point well you do see you do at some point they do a flash of you know the the middle past uh thanksgiving where it's rebecca and kate making the pie yes and then in the present kate is a little girl and rebecca no no it's present day there's the it's when um it's when Miguel and them are it's that period oh that's right that's it's teenage right. Kate that's and right. then you and then see she adult asks her Kate. the secret ingredient and her mom won't tell her yeah something like that yeah and then there's present day Kate and Rebecca also making the pie and she's writing down the recipe for well, in that's... case Rebecca forgets right and Rebecca won't tell her the secret she's like not yet it's right up here yeah. pointing to her head so anyway at the end of the episode. Rebecca and her mom figure their shit out, essentially. I think because they say they're not going to the wedding or they say they want to go or no. Rebecca's like, no. I don't want you at my wedding or something. I don't even I did only watch the episode once <laughs> this week. But basically, at the end of the episode, they figure their stuff out. And Rebecca's mom tells her the secret ingredient, but like she whispers it. So we don't know. And then present day. Rebecca whispers the secret ingredient to Kate after we didn't even touch on this amazing Rebecca speech at the Thanksgiving table with just the big three and Miguel, where she basically, first of all, she lays out, this might be after this, this part, but she essentially tells the big three to live their lives big, like don't make themselves smaller because of her illness Mm -hmm. don't avoid things because of her right which i mean we've already seen in the future it seems like they've done that Mm -hmm. we don't know anything about kate in the future yet but we know that randall's a rising political star it seems like kevin may have started some kind of construction company well in that time period all we know of is that kate's getting married right yeah and kate's getting married but we have no idea where she is whatever like in the way future but Rebecca tells the big three that 
Miguel is to be deferred to for all medical decisions. They've gone through all scenarios up, down, and sideways. Mm -hmm. But in the event that something happens with Miguel, Kate is in charge. And I was kind of surprised. You were not at all surprised. No, I was not surprised at all. Um, But honestly, when I really thought about it, it didn't make me surprised either. Kate is pretty even killed. Her and her mom have a really good relationship now. So on that note, well, because like and so I wasn't surprised, number one, because from a, you know, creating a show aspect, a lot of people wouldn't expect it. But even if you're going just based on the character sitting at that table waiting to hear who is the next proxy, <laughs> uh, Kevin would spiral with every decision, yeah. would uh, flirt with taking a drink every time <laughs> she her illness progressed yeah. and ultimately ruin his life trying to make hers better. Mm-hmm. Randall would, without hesitation, no matter what happened, what a doctor said, he would go to the ends of the earth to try to get every last day possible with his mom. Yep. So neither of those scenarios really play into either of them thinking what's best for Rebecca. Right. And Kate would. Kate would. Yeah. Kate's always thinking about what's best for everybody, mm-hmm. really. I mean, the way she parents... Um, specifically the way she parents Jack, she always wants to give him the best possible life. Basically, she said, I want him to live without limits yeah. in the episode where they do their house, essentially. But anyway, let's get back to the the part where you're so, talking about the revelation I had. Yes. So that surprised you. In the present day, Rebecca tells a secret ingredient to Kate. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the next scene we see. The next scene we see Kate's at home. Kate's at home with um, Haley. Rose. Haley Rose. Oh, it's Haley Rose. Haley Rose. Oh, why uh-huh. did I think her first name was Rose? Mm-mm. Okay, Any, either Kate way. Kate picked Haley. That's right. Uh, Toby picked Rose because of the woman, the older woman yeah. that was in the hospital. But anyways, um, it shows her writing down the recipe, and she writes secret ingredient, but we don't see what she writes down. And I made a joke. I really didn't think it was a secret ingredient, but I was like, oh, what, vanilla or something, you know? And Joe says. I said, no, it's to make it with your daughter. And I was like, oh, it probably is. Yeah, or to make it with your child, one or the other. You know, I think it's daughter. They're going to be specific. Well, because you see Rebecca and her mom. Mm -hmm. You see Kate and Rebecca. And then you see Kate and Haley. You don't see Jack in that scene, I don't think. So I definitely think you're on the right yeah. track. And I like, I, it made me really happy that you said mm-hmm. that. Like, I was like, oh. And I mean, so I sweet. think ultimately, I think it is a really creative spin on the make it with love uh, <laughs> thing that people always say when they cook. It's oh, the thick it ingredient. You know. But, and it's sweet. It is. It is sugar pie, so. Yeah, I, I don't even know what sugar pie is. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I know of it didn't look like anything I can think of that some people might call sugar pie. But either way, no, I think we definitely need to move on. Uh, <laughs> we are quick. we are cresting an hour already. Oh, Jesus. And we still have to talk about Picard and the Adam Project. Oh, man. And I have to edit this <laughs> this monstrosity. So. <laughs> okay, so. Real quick, we watched Friends. We did get to the one with the embryos, which is where Phoebe gets implanted with the embryos of oh, okay. her brother. And the uh, 
the apartment switch happens essentially because Chandler does not make a living as a trans monster. <laughs> no. And honestly, like all friends fans know that episode is probably peak peak friends. The whole season is just peak episode after peak mm-hmm. episode. I just wanted to have that in the podcast that we watched that episode this week. <laughs> so let's get into penance Picard season, season two. two episode two. Okay. Why don't you go first? So I'm just going to write down the only note that I have. <laughs> oh, Star Trek writers giving us what we need to see but don't want to see. Yep. Welcome to what, I don't know what year it is, 2400, whatever year it's supposed to be. But the way I see it, what we just, what was presented to us on that show is the world that we will get if we don't get our shit together now. Yep. We are. Li- um, we will be living in the world of the Confederation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's reaching too much to think that that's what they're going for. I don't think so either. I mean, Star Trek has always been a uh, commentary on. Yeah, our and society. I mean, like it's it's little things. It's like you know, in this world or in this future, in this reality, however you want to play it, um, instead of fixing the environmental crisis. We find a patch where it looks like there's some kind of energy field encasing the um, the earth. And it's just kind of pushing smog out of the way so light can shine through. Yeah, they called them pollution shields. Yeah. Um, they had Romulan alien slaves. Yeah, instead of trying to befriend and uh, live peacefully with other species, we're just dominating like and i told you this is what happens if the aliens come tomorrow we're scared yeah. we dominate let's be honest yeah it's uh, star trek has given us a glimpse of what the world will be if we don't change our shit yeah um annika's president Picard yeah, seven. is a general seven of seven. nine seven yeah. of nine her real name uh annika. her given name is annika yeah hansen i don't know her last hansen? name i don't know uh picard is a general he is the the conqueror yeah, the Conqueror, uh, apparently in the episode. Also, he requests a like a uh, title change to Borg Slayer. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. The So there's a lot of things going on with them dealing with their situation. And they all know that they're in a situation. Yeah, his, they know his something whole crew, is wrong. Elnor, Rafi, Captain Rios. Oh, the scientist's name. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. Nope, it's um, gone. But yeah, they all know that they're not in their timeline. Mm-hmm. But we we could go beat by beat through the entire episode. But there aren't, like, there's cool shit that happens, obviously. But there's not a whole lot of stuff to really dive into, in my opinion. With the exception of the very beginning when you're getting the exchange between Q and Picard. Oh my god. Picard so does good. mention it later on, but he's like, I think Q's got he's there's something wrong with him he he asks if he's sick mm-hmm. are you sick and, and like, he i don't know he avoid yeah i don't think he really the thing is like i don't know if it's a trick or if it's the actor's eyes i haven't looked at a present day picture but he definitely has something going on with his eyes so yeah and it's how do i want to talk about like If I remember the episode correctly, Q doesn't really respond to that question directly. I mean, it's Q, so he never would. Well, he's not going to. Yeah, but it does start making me think, like, he says that this is a penance. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know. I've always, even in the show, I think they make mention that Q has always had a soft spot for humans, especially Picard. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is Q's swan song. If he's giving Picard one final lesson to, or one final test to learn from, to really help push humans to, or at least Picard to that next step of understanding or evolution or whatever, or give him a glimpse into something more. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a gut feeling that that's what Q is doing. If it is, if there is something really wrong with him, maybe he's just fucking losing his shit. Maybe. (laughs) And he's like, I'm just going to fuck with Picard one last time. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I, he definitely like my gut feeling is that this is, this is actually a gift. For Picard from possibly a dying Q, which we don't know if they can die. We don't, at least I don't think we know if they can. They're supposed to be omnipotent and immortal and all this. But yeah, like just the interplay between Q and Picard, I think is where the real meat of the sh- this episode really is because everything else is just kind of, yeah, we, we I don't want to say mindless that. action, but we it's them navigating last episode about yeah. Q and Picard. Yeah, the, the rest of this episode is a lot of the characters navigating their way to regroup and get out and find where they need to go to fix this, which because in this episode, we discover that the Confederation has a uh, has the Borg Queen captive and yeah. she is set to be executed on eradication, eradication day, day, which is basically a day where they take one of a species. They only have one of left. And they execute them in front of everybody, essentially. And the Borg Queen is who they're executing. And let me tell you, the Borg Queen, she knows what's up. She knows the time is off. Yes, because the not right. Because the Borg have, I don't remember exactly why. I think it has something to do with the way they're interconnected uh, with each other. But they can. She she has the ability to sense uh, temporal like displacements and things. And she calls. Uh, Picard Lacutus. Yeah. Um, and I believe she references Annika seven as seven. A seven of nine, I a think. A seven of nine. No, yeah. no, no. She doesn't call her seven of nine. It's something else that they that she got called, uh, I think, in Voyager. Either way. Either way, it's very clear that the Borg Queen knows what's up. And then they determine that she can help them jump back in time so, yeah, to try to fix what, whatever cues messed up. Yeah, what it is is they realize that they're she informs them that um in 2024 something happened and they need to that's when the timeline started diverging. Uh Picard talks about like uh you know there's rudimentary ways of time travel that we can utilize slingshotting around a star, doing this and that. He makes mention that Kirk did it with his Enterprise on a number of occasions. <laughs> One of the other characters was like, yeah, you need a supercomputer to do that. They had Spock. What are we going to use? And they look over at the Borg Queen and yep. they're like, oh, well, she can right she can navigate. Yeah. So the and episode it, it is, is. It is very interesting because the Borg is kind of a villain. Oh, I mean, yeah. They are a villain in the show. And yet they're going to trust her to get them to the past mm-hmm. essentially that's a that's a big trust um so yeah the the meat of the episode is about them trying to get off earth yes back up to rios's ship so they can zip through time and spoiler alert they do well no well, we think no they get captured they get to rios's ship uh-huh but then uh seven's husband oh that shows right. up on the ship i forgot that's how the episode ended yeah 
Oh, and we did not watch um, the ready, ready room. room yet. So yeah, we didn't see like a preview for next week the, yet. The another the other big I think um, drop from the Borg Queen in this episode was that when she's talking about going back to twenty twenty four is where the timelines diverge. She mentions you need to find there. There's there's a watcher or the watcher there. Yeah. Um, and basically, like they can help you figure out what is wrong. And we don't know who it is. Uh, they don't tell us who it is. My initial gut reaction was Guinan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a different hypothesis. <laughs> I really want to see Wesley Crusher. So <laughs> I know that was, I don't know if he went with the Q or. No, it wasn't Q. No, it was. It was an entity called the Traveler. That's right. Sorry. Get it, make Do you sense. even Star Trek, bro? Only once. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's with this traveler. It's possible that he could be the Watcher. But... Yeah, with the the traveler, if I remember correctly, like one of their things is he can. I think it's like he can manipulate warp fields with his mind. Mm-hmm. And a big thing is about like if you you know. If you bring your consciousness to a certain level, time kind of doesn't matter anymore. So you can kind of exist in all time at the same time or something like that. It's been a while right, since I watched the episode. Supposedly, he has went, this capability. Yeah, he, he went with the traveler. He went with the traveler to learn how to do it. Um, right. Um. Again, that was just my first. Yeah. Like, oh, that'd be cool if it was Leslie. It would be cool. Um. And I'm sure <laughs> Will Wheaton would be excited and ecstatic to do it. I I do have a feeling it's somebody that we know. I just feel like that's what happens in shows. Like they mention someone that ends up being someone. It happens already. now in shows. Yeah, that's but, true. but I mean, we do also know that you know Guinan was on Earth in like the early 1900s. Right. So she could be the Watcher, and mm-hmm. we just didn't know. But either way, and I think her species is sensitive. Yeah, because uh, I think her species is sensitive to changes in the timeline mm-hmm. because she recognized it when. There was they went through that there was that temporal event or whatever, and the Enterprise shifted and Tasha came was back on the Enterprise and, and she's was not like, supposed to be there. Yeah, and Guinan <laughs> was like, "There's something not right here." Yeah. So, either way, I mistakenly said that they made it. They are captured. Oh yeah. We don't know what happens, but um, it was a really good episode. I think for for Joe and I, we both at the same time were like. This is what Earth is going to be like if we don't get our shit together. Yep. And it's it's scary because Star Trek has always been this kind of like positive future that like we can aspire to. And we're doing a very bad job. <laughs> well, some of us are doing a very bad job. Some of us are trying our hardest. <laughs> um, the sec- I mean, as soon as we get matter replication down, I think we'll be set. Right, so we won't need money anymore. Mm-hmm. Death to capitalism. <laughs> All righty. Uh, you want to move on to the Adam Project All after right. that bomb? <laughs> yeah, so we just finished this. and Just um, finished this? We've been talking on the podcast for over an hour, so it's been a minute. <laughs> but we were really looking forward to this movie. It 100% did not disappoint. It hits harder than you think it will. It it's one of those movies that it's like, yes, they touched on what it was actually about in the trailers, but actually watching it, it does punch you right in the gut. It's like, it woo, is... time travel, action, quippy Ryan Reynolds, all that surface finishing. You get it. 
But then there's definitely some stuff below. Yeah, I mean, the movie is about grief. We're not going to sugarcoat it. It is about grief. Uh, The grief of losing a parent, the grief of losing a partner, the grief of losing yourself a little bit. The kid in the movie, what was his name? I know you wrote it down. His name is Walker Scobber? (laughs) Walker something with an S. Walker S. Okay. On his IMDb, it seems to be his first movie. He's wonderful. He plays with Ryan Reynolds. He is very much like a little Ryan Reynolds. Um, He does a great job. Yeah, he does a great job emulating Reynolds, a lot of Reynolds uh, mannerisms and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did really good. I loved him. I liked their time travel. How like, you know, time is a fixed point, but... Like no, 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 time. you have a fixed You time. have a fixed You have, point. like, a fixed timeline. Yeah. Um, and so, basically, like, his memory will always be his memory kind of thing. Even if Ryan Reynolds' Adam goes back in time, his memory will reform to include having met him yes. at the age of 12, essentially. Yeah. I don't know why. I just, I like to see how different movies handle time travel. I don't know. I feel like there's so much to say about the movie. So I think one of the (laughs) things that we talked about, we paused a couple of times to discuss, is we get this really interesting characterization with all of the characters where you get to see them one way. Mm-hmm. And then a different character join they they join like so let's say um you know Ryan Reynolds as an uh, Ryan Reynolds character Adam as an adult. He comes back in time and you see him he's he's quippy, he's sharp, he's abrasive with his younger self, he's snarky, that typical kind of burnt out defeatist attitude, trying to do the thing but you know whatever. But then you get him in a scene with his, you know, spoiler alert for this movie. But then you get him in a scene where he's seeing his mom. Right. He runs into her at a bar, essentially. Well, she comes into the bar that he's yeah. at. And you see this sensitive, mournful person who realizes as an adult that he treated it. He didn't treat his mom well and he should have told her more that he loved her and how he really felt and all this kind of stuff. But so ultimately because she was. Again, spoiler, I guess. She was processing her own grief, but trying to take care of her child and kind of not let it show. Mm -hmm. And he very much was like, let him know. Yeah. Tell him that you're grieving. So what what you get is you get one representation of a character, but then depending on who they're sharing the scene with, you get to see them from a different perspective. Yeah, these characters, you don't get this a lot in movies you get a lot of two-dimensional characters and this movie it wasn't very long it was only like an hour and 40 minutes i think an hour and 40 something minutes i think it was longer than that i don't think so well you keep talking i'm gonna imdb it okay but the characters are fully 3d they are full-fledged totally fleshed out mark ruffalo is great i love seeing him and uh, jennifer garner back on screen together Uh, they were in 13 goys on 30 together and they were just their chemistry is just so sweet oh yeah 146 yeah I, 46 I, minutes i kind of looked at it when we were oh <laughs> watching like we, we were had the netflix screen up for mm-hmm. but i don't know i just i loved it like i said i think 
the movie was very much about grief, overcoming yeah. grief. Um, it was also about time travel mm-hmm. and, and action and manipulating time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, it's really good. There's a um, there's a scene about three quarters of the way through the movie, just before we're getting to the big finale, where it's young Adam and adult Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've gone back to 2018. They meet their dad. Their dad is like, no, I can't help. You can't mess with time and all this kind of stuff. And adult Adam is mad at his dad because he was never there for him growing up. He was always busy working. Well, that's his recollection. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> okay, I'll let you um, get there. So we have the, after their dad leaves, younger Adam goes out to adult Adam and they have this conversation and, you know, adult Adam is like, look, he was never there. His work was always more important. And he was like, yeah, but he was also the guy who, when he got home from work, no matter how tired he was, he would come out and play catch with us. And he was like, no. And adult Adam was like, no, that never happened. He's like, yeah, you know, the, the, the pitchback pitch pitch or the back. yeah mm-hmm. the pitchback that we got he's like yeah he got us that because you know he never played catch with us he's like no he got us that because every single day we walked by the store we asked him for it and he finally got it and that's what kind of dad he was because that's the kind of dad he was and he would come and he would play catch with us and it's this really great moment where you see adult adam realizing that his memories have changed and that he kind of did it on purpose and younger adam points this out he's like look we just it was easier to be so Mark Ruffalo's character, the dad, he dies in some kind of accident. In 2018. No, in 20, it would be it would be like 2020. Because in the 2022, he's only been dead like a year, year and a half. Oh, I that's think. right. So yeah, probably. But anyway, um, you know, younger Adam is explaining like it's just it was so much easier to be mad at him. Oh, that's than right. To... 2018 is where adult Adam's wife disappeared. Yeah. So sorry about that. <laughs> Yeah, so Younger Adam is like, you know, we just it was easier to be mad at him than to be sad and miss him. Yeah. And, and you realize that, like, Adam, over the course of his life, in order to be mad at him, instead of dealing with his grief and being letting himself be sad, he has his memories have changed on the kind of person his dad was. Well, and I will say, like, I lost my dad um, in 2009. I wasn't a child, but I was barely an adult. And... That is part of the grief stage. Like you are mad and then you're sad and then you're mad. And like sometimes it is a a lot easier to be mad. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because being mad is like a whole different feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like sometimes you're like you're too sad. So you're like, well, I'm just going to be mad. So I'm just going to think something, you Mm -hmm. know. And there's this scene with uh, the only time we see jennifer garner's character and mark ruffalo's character together is like in the kitchen in mm-hmm. 2018 and they have this conversation and he it's after he has seen adult adam and 12 year old adam and he basically makes a comment like i'm never here yeah and she is like you know do you want me to be honest or do you want me to make you feel better and he wants her to be no well, he, he says, says he, he says i want you to make me feel, feel better. better and she kind of does both i think no she's like she's like i don't really have time because i have to get to work so i'm just gonna be <laughs> yeah so she says like when he is there with them he is 100 percent there but when he's at work he's just gone you know? it's, no it's not so much when he's at work but it's when he's not when he's not yeah he's just because that gone. could mean physically not there or just, just off in his own head there. you know yeah and I mean, I don't know. I think I think every parent has guilt about their kids. I don't I think that's inevitable. Yeah. 
I don't think any parent thinks they have it 100% together. Maybe you do. <laughs> but, you know, I get that as a parent. I, I don't know. Like I said, I just, this movie definitely touched on different points that definitely felt like, wow, this is deep. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, we're not going to, I don't assume this is the first movie to ever use a tactic like this. No. You know, presenting a character and then having them like, you know, you get to see, you get to see like three versions of Ruffalo's character. Mm-hmm. You get to see the way adult Adam and adult Adam and young Adam, who's a year after his dad died, see him. You then get to see how he kind of sees himself. And then you also get to see how Jennifer Garner sees him, uh, his yeah. wife. You know, the Jennifer Garner's character. You see how young Adam sees her. You see how adult Adam sees her because he regrets how he treated her. You also see how adult Adam sees her as an adult in that time frame. Yeah. And then you get to see her the way Mark Ruffalo's character sees. So they do this really good job where they all definitely feel like the same character. It's not like there's these shifts or anything like that, but you're getting to see... Like so said, many different aspects of them through different perspectives. Like I said, they're they're more three-dimensional than we get in a lot of movies. They really yeah. made sure that we know who these characters are. Mm-hmm. So Catherine Keener plays the villain, yeah, essentially. And she funded Mark Ruffalo's character's research. Mm-hmm. And he invents time travel, essentially. He's the godfather of time travel, as yeah. he says. And I love that he just gives himself that title. Yeah. (laughs) It's the first one that came to his head. He's like, so I'm the godfather of time travel? Yeah. And previously, her character had gone back to 2018 to basically do a bunch of illegal things to ensure that time travel. insider trading. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, insider trading. Insider time travel. (laughs) (laughs) To ensure basically that time travel is legal. And that she controls it. Pretty much, yeah, that she controls it and all that. And then so Ryan Reynolds' character, Adam, adult Adam, has been married to this girl named Laura, who's played by Zoe Saldana. And she's fucking great in it. She's She's not in a lot, but she's great in the scenes that she's in. Yeah, she makes use of every bit of screen time she has. And um, she discovers in the flight logs that someone went to 2018 um so not exactly you you have to remember we're dealing with time travel here no well no 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 no. it's (laughs) she doesn't discover that someone went to 2018 she sees a flight log that somebody came back from 2018 but the flight log did not show anybody going to 2018 right because as they established earlier in the movie adult adam meets younger adam younger adam says you know well are you remembering this like right now as it's happening he's like well the prevailing theory is that when i go back to my time it's eventually my memories will catch up it'll catch up and you know i will remember this so it establishes that you know what you do in the past does change the present but memories won't be the same you won't remember both things so what they discover is that um uh Catherine Keener's uh character went back to 2018 did her insider trading bullshit to get make herself super rich and in control of time travel and all that and then came back mm-hmm. Zoe Saldana's character Laura uh then goes back to 2018 to try to stop whatever it was that she did and they you know fuck her up and they, her they basically try to kill her and they don't mm-hmm. and so she gets stuck in 2018 and it it seems like what is the protocol they say is to stay yeah, just leave, lay low. leave as little footprint as possible which makes sense but she finds adult adam 
in uh, 2022. Yeah, she finds adult Adam because she's like, what, do you think I really wouldn't have your back even if you were a child? So basically, she's been keeping an eye on, uh, on child Adam. Adam. Yeah. And like she knew that his dad was going to die and all that. Initially, I thought that Catherine Keener's villain character might have had something to do with him. Yeah, we both did. Yeah, but that that did not play out. It seems like it was just a car accident. A really uh, kind of accident, yeah. car accident. Yeah. But yeah, so they're going back in time basically because they want to stop her from doing this because basically uh, adult Adam tells young Adam, like, oh, you've seen Terminator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the future's worse 2050, than that. is that on a good day? Yeah, so it, it presents a very harsh, yeah. a very harsh and bleak future to where you are rooting for them to destroy the ability to time travel. Yeah, it's, you know, we could go on about the movie. It's great. It's, it's like I said, it's deeper than either of us expected. I just, based on the trailers, obviously we knew his, I think we knew his dad died. At least I yeah. felt like I knew that going into the movie. Um, so I, I had a sense that was going to play something into it, but I didn't expect it to be so heavily about grief and about loss and about coming to terms with that loss. And like, I also just, like you said already, like the characters were so wonderful. This is definitely a movie that I will be recommending to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then and not just because re-watch. Ryan Reynolds is on your list. Exactly. Because it's actually a good movie. Mm-hmm. And look, we're not going to say it's perfect. There are a few cheesy moments of dialogue and stuff like that. But it's, I don't know, we don't need perfect movies, personally. We just enjoy the ride. I just want a movie to entertain me mm-hmm. and maybe make me think a little bit. And this movie did that. See, I shoot for entertainment. And if it oh. makes me think, that's icing on the cake. And it had an excellent soundtrack. Oh, yeah, it did have a pretty banging so, soundtrack. That's always a bonus for us. <laughs> Some good classic rock songs. Yeah. But I think that's where we're going to go ahead and end off this episode mm-hmm. at uh, pre-edit. We are at one twenty-eight fifty. All right. That, yeah, it's it's a long one. Well, <laughs> we appreciate you guys sticking but, around for Yeah, this it. is what happens yeah, when we get excited about the things that we watch. We have lots to say, and we're also getting more comfortable doing this. So hopefully that's showing through a little bit. I hope so. I mean, I feel like I'm much more comfortable. <laughs> And yeah, I'm not even wearing pants this time. <laughs> the audience doesn't need to know that. <laughs> oh, well, let it fill their dreams. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you guys have a good rest of your week. All right. Or yeah. So we'll, I guess, see you next time. Yep. Um. So the goal is to have this show out every Monday. Hopefully we meet that goal every week. I would love to get up on Monday morning, but... As long as we're up by the end of Monday, let's call it a win. <laughs> All right. Do you want to do the socials again or do, have we gone on long enough? I think we're good and they are in the description of the episode okay. every time as well as everything we talk about. So, yeah. So uh, next week there will be probably more Picard, more This Is Us, uh, hopefully some good news bits. and uh, Venom, yeah. Let There Be Carnage. Yep. Uh, right. So we will see everybody next week. Thanks. Thanks.